Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Started out like any other night, except for that angel. I haven't seen anything like it before or since. It was just so bright, so beautiful. We don't really get that much, that much excitement out in the pasture at all. But that angel just came up right to us. And it's, his first words were, do not be afraid. I'm like, too late. I'm already terrified out of my mind. But I know what you're thinking. You're probably saying, Ben, you've probably been in that pasture way too long. You don't have to say that. You're right. But I'll never forget the words. But just in case I wrote them down. Hold on. Uh, milk, bread, wait, that's my grocery list. Hold on. Um, I have good news of great joy. That shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Then he said, baby is in a baby is in manger, go find him. Alrighty then. Then the angels left, and then Stephen, I think his name was Stephen, I think so. He said, let's go find this baby the angels just told us about. Let's get out of here. And then we hightail it out of there, and we go find most beautiful baby. I was a different man that night. God chose me. Nobody's ever chosen me for anything. I'll never forget the words the angel told me. Good news for all people. That means me too. So last week we finished up our message series where we were studying Psalm chapter 23, which starts out, the Lord is my shepherd. And we spent several weeks talking about the benefits of having a shepherd, of being in God's flock. But what we didn't talk about, we didn't talk about the fact that being a shepherd wasn't the best job in the world. In Bible times, shepherding was a family business, and so the firstborn son would become a shepherd, and then he would hand it off to his younger son or his younger brother, and then he would hand it off to his younger brother, and pretty soon, the youngest brother would become the family shepherd. It wasn't a glorious job. You spent many days and nights out in the open, through the winter, through the storms, uh, through the heat of the day. They would wear the same clothes, would spend many nights beside a campfire. Shepherds were rugged, unkept, unshaven, and they probably smelled a lot like sheep, which I don't think was very good. And I thought about this this past week is that a young boy would be kind of put into this role of shepherding, and then he would do that, especially the youngest one, 
the rest of his life. And so he would spend more time with sheep than he did people. And think about that. He was probably a little bit socially awkward as well. And then as far as religion goes, uh, they weren't able to keep up with most of the religious customs. Because of their 24 by 7 responsibility, they weren't able to make church very often. They missed most of the religious festivals. They didn't have an opportunity to go to religious schools, so most of them were uneducated. And in Jesus' day, uh, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they really looked down on the shepherds. They didn't have many possessions. Um, they didn't spend much time in a house, so they, they didn't have much of a home or many possessions, and so they were poor. Many of them were poor and were social outcasts. I'm the youngest uh, of three boys. In fact, my brother Doug is here today. Thanks for being here, Doug. Um, but so if we were a shepherding family, then, then I would have been a shepherd the rest of my life. No matter what else I wanted to do, um, that was it. If you're the youngest boy, you become the family shepherd. And so those young men, if they thought about or wanted to do something else with their lives, it must have felt pretty hopeless. Must have felt pretty hopeless. A tough job. Definitely a tough job. Well, I would say that in our culture today, there are many people who are feeling hopeless. That feeling of, I just don't know if things are going to change for me. I'm kind of in a dead-end job, or I'm in a, in a relationship that's not working very well, or financially, I'm never going to get ahead. We have a lot of people in our culture today who are feeling trapped in their circumstances, and they've lost hope. I found an article this past week on brookings.edu called American Optimism, Longevity, and the Role of Lost Hope in Deaths of Despair. And it says, the American dream, which is essentially a story of optimism about the future, is fading for many. The signs are evident in our politics, in our deteriorating social cohesion, and tragically, in our mortality rates. We are the only rich country in the world where mortality rates are going up rather than down. And that is driven by preventable deaths due to suicide, drug overdose, and alcohol-related disease, so-called deaths of despair. So there are many people in our country who are losing hope. And we probably all know someone who is, who is losing hope. Most of us have felt the tragedy of a friend committing suicide or attempting suicide. It's becoming commonplace anymore. So like our shepherds who may be losing hope because of their circumstances, we have a lot of people who are losing hope in our country today. Now hope, the definition of it, is the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. Let me read that again. The feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. See, hope, hope is a powerful thing. And I would say that each one of us, we need to have hope. We need to have hope for our marriages. We need to have hope for our children. We need to have hope for our relationships. We need to have hope for our country. And I would say each one of us, we need to have hope for our future. Now, hope is a common theme all throughout Scripture. 
all throughout Scripture. Here's just a couple of verses. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's what God desires for us. It's for us to have hope. And Psalm 39, 7 says, But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. The psalmist understood that our hope was in God. And then one of my favorites in Isaiah chapter 40, it says, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those who hope in the Lord. Hope is a powerful thing. It's something that we all need, and it's something that our world needs as well. So I'll tell you, I'm, I'm super excited about our message series over the next couple of weeks, our Christmas series, because it's a message of hope. It's a message of how Christ came into this world to bring us hope. And each week, we're going to be looking at a different Bible character who may have lost hope, may have lost hope in their situation, and see how Jesus brings hope to that situation. So our series is titled, A New Hope, Finding Peace in an Anxious World. And I believe it's a message series that we all need. It really is. It's one that I need as well. Because when Jesus came into this earth, he brought hope. So today, we're going to be talking about the shepherds. And I'll be reading the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. And we'll be reading all the way through that and all the way down to where the angels come and talk to the shepherds as well. So we'll be reading from verse 4 to 20. You can read it on your smart device or on a Bible if you have one with you. It'll be on the screen as well. Starting with verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So today's message is titled, A New Hope, The Shepherds Rejoice. Regardless of their situation, the shepherds 
rejoice. And it's a message about how God can bring hope to the poor and also to the socially unaccepted. So I'll give you a couple of points you can fill in on your handout if you'd like, but let me pray and then we'll get started. So God, we come to you right now and we thank you for your scripture that records this story uh, from 2,000 years ago. And Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to receive from you today. And Lord, I do pray that we would leave here today with more hope than what we started with. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so a couple of points for you to fill in on your handout. Jesus' birth brought hope to the poor and socially unaccepted by preferring them first. By preferring them first. Just going back to verses 6 through 9. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. The very next verse after the birth says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So Jesus is born... And immediately, the angels go to the shepherds. Now, that's not who I would have thought they would have gone to. They would have gone to maybe the, the priests or the teachers of the law or maybe the, you know, the, those that are very religious. But no, the angel went first to the shepherds. When my kids were born, my first phone call was to my parents. It was to my brothers. It was to my close, closest friends. But God's first phone call <laughs> were to the lowly shepherds, to the lowly shepherds. So, the, you know, the question is, why would, he, why would he go to the shepherds? Well, maybe it was because he knew that they needed something to be excited about. I mean, they were out in the fields. Life was kind of hopeless. And then, you know, let's go and make their day. Maybe that was part of it. But I think it's this other reason. I think it's because he knew that they would rejoice that they would be excited. When something's good going on in your life, what do you want? You want someone who's going to rejoice with you. And that's what the shepherds did. In Luke chapter 2, verse 20, it says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. God has a special place in his heart for the poor. He's got a special place in his heart for the socially awkward and and unaccepted. He says in uh, Luke chapter 6, this is Jesus speaking. He says, looking at his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. Jesus came to bring hope to the poor. In fact, Jesus chose to become poor himself. I mean, he, he could have been rich. Think about it. He could heal anyone, charge anything he wants for it, right? I mean, Jesus could have been rich. He could have commanded any army. He could have been the ruler of the world, and instead he chose to become poor. In fact, he even calls himself homeless in Matthew chapter 8, verse 19. He says, then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. 
Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus understood what it meant to sleep outside in all kinds of weather, to go hungry, to go without food and drink, to go without sleep. So there's a special place in God's heart for the poor. All over Scripture, there's Scripture after Scripture which talks about taking care of the poor. And I would say that those who are poor have a special opportunity, and that's to be close to God. James 2.5 says, Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? And I've seen this many times. I've been able to go to many countries around the world, and I've spent time with Christian brothers and sisters who have no material wealth, but boy, they have a richness within them. I remember a time when I was in South Sudan, one of my first trips over there, and I was in uh, the, the, the building that we were staying in, and I heard some noise going on over in the church, which is just across the compound there. And I asked, I said, so what's going on over in the building? It's nine o'clock at night, it's a Friday night, what's happening? And they said, oh, that's, that's our youth group. They're over there meeting tonight. Every Friday night, they do an all-night prayer vigil. Really? What does that look like? So I went over there, and there were about 20 or 30 high schoolers, uh, young adults that were meeting together, and they would stay up all night praying and interceding for the church, for the country, for their families, and they just would pray. And if you've ever heard African prayer, uh, or if you haven't heard, you've missed out. I mean, it's a wonderful thing. It's when Everybody prays at the top of their lungs at the same time, all right? They just all just go after it at the same time. And so you would have this time of when they would just all be going after something, and then they would just kind of go down into silent prayer, and then they'd go back into it. And they asked me, they said, hey, uh, can we pray for you, pastor? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can pray for me. And so I sat down, and they kind of gathered around me, and they did this, this African prayer where they're just all just praying at the top of their lungs for like 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. They're just praying and praying. And I'll tell you what, I just began to weep. I began to weep because I realized that they had something that I didn't have. Their faith was strong. You know, they would spend every Friday night praying and worshiping God. Well, they don't have the distractions that we have here in America. They don't have Netflix Chipotle's not just right around the corner. You know, they're, they're stripped of all of those distractions. And so what do they have? They have Jesus and they have each other. That's what they have. And that's really what we all need. So a couple of things for us from this point. If you consider yourself well off, not necessarily poor, I would encourage you, Spend some time with the materially poor around you. Spend some time with them because there's a richness, especially if they're followers of Christ, there's a richness that they tend to have that we don't. And maybe some of what they have would rub off on you. That was my prayer when I was in South Sudan. Lord, I just pray that what they have would rub off on me. I came here to be a blessing to you and you're being a blessing back to me. And if you don't have anyone around you who is materially, you know, in need, 
then you know, maybe you're supposed to go with us on our trip to Guatemala so that you can actually meet with somebody who doesn't have everything that we have. Spend some time there. And if you're on the other side, you would consider yourself poor or you don't have very much money. Man, I would encourage you, dive into the spiritual things. Dive into those things. The scripture says that the poor in the eyes of the world will be rich in faith and they have the ability to inherit the kingdom. See, there is an inheritance to those of us who do not have a lot of finances to our name. God wants to give us an inheritance. So press into those things. Press into those things. You can fill this in on your handout. The poor among us might be the richest people we know. As I think of some of my brothers and sisters in Christ from all these other countries I've visited, man, they are some rich people. Spiritually, they are rich. Materially, they're not. Spiritually, they are rich. So that's point number one. Jesus' birth brought hope to the poor and socially unaccepted because he preferred them first. And number two, Jesus' birth brought hope to the poor and socially unaccepted by adjusting their perspective. Adjusting their perspective. Verse 10 says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So the the angel came, and his first commandment is a change of perspective, because they're terrified, right? And he says, first of all, don't be afraid. All right, this is good news. So stop, stop shaking. Don't be afraid. So that's the first command is stop looking at your circumstances. All right, that's first of all. Secondly, he tells them they should have joy. And I would say they, they should have hope because the Savior of the world has been born. The Savior of the world has been born. The shepherds had a chance to rejoice, not because of their circumstance, but because of God's kingdom advancing. Think about that for a second. Has there ever been a war or a battle that God has lost? No. Is there ever going to be a battle or a war that God's going to lose? No, he's he's like undefeated. He's going to stay undefeated. He's going to be the ruler forever, right? So 2,000 years ago, God was setting this up for Jesus to be born, to be our Savior, right? He was setting him up. And then he had Jesus live a perfect life. Now, Herod, we'll hear about this next week, tries to kill Jesus before he ever gets a chance to grow up, doesn't get it accomplished. Satan tries to tempt Jesus into sinning so that he couldn't be the perfect uh, sacrifice for our sins. It doesn't happen right? The Roman guards kill Jesus thinking they're going to put him in a tomb and keep him there forever. Jesus rises again. Every single thing that happened was according to God's plan. He won and he's going to win. He's winning. He won 2,000 years ago. He's winning today. He's going to be winning tomorrow and thousands of years to come. When we focus on our situations and our circumstances, that's just too small of a picture. As followers of Christ, we get an opportunity to go along with what God is doing. He's doing some great things. And we need to change our perspective and see what God is doing and rejoice with that. 
Let's go back to the shepherds. The shepherds came back. They went and saw baby Jesus, and they went back to the same field they were in before, watching the same sheep. Most likely, this was their job didn't change at all. It's the same job. But they were rejoicing, not because their circumstances changed, but because they got a glimpse of what God is doing in his kingdom. Last week was Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, I'll be honest with you, the numbers were a little bit down, especially second service, you know, because everybody's eating turkey or they're sleeping it off. I don't know. One of those two things is happening. And so I remember second service last weekend, everybody was sitting in the back. It was like, this was all empty here in the front. And I'm just like, okay, well, I'm going to just try to preach my guts out anyway, right? And, uh, and then what happened at the very end of service, we had an opportunity for people to either accept Christ or recommit their lives to Christ. And I, and I got permission from Carolyn to share this, but she was a first-time guest, first time coming to the church. And she was sitting in the back row, and she walked all the way up here and recommitted her life to Christ. And I'll tell you what, if we can't get excited about that, then shame on us. You know, if she was the only one here, that service was worth it. You know what I mean? Scripture says that all of heaven rejoices when one lost sinner repents and comes back to Christ. And so all of heaven was rejoicing. And so no matter what our circumstances are, there are things happening all around us that we get to partner with and rejoice with. Babies being born, children being adopted, people coming to know Christ. Man, there's some great things happening. Because God is undefeated, and he's going to remain that way. And we get to partner with that. We get to partner with that. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things, God is working for the good of those who love him. Because he's a winner, and he's going to win. So, Here's the deal. Some of us today may have walked in here and you may have walked in with sorrow in your heart or maybe you've lost hope or you don't have the joy of Christmas. I would say it's because you're looking at the wrong thing. There is a lot to be joyful about, a lot to rejoice about today. You can fill this in on your handout. When my circumstances are getting me down, that's when I really need to start looking up. Because trust me, there is something good happening in the kingdom of God all the time. We just got to look for it. We got to look for it and be like the shepherds who said, you know what, I'm going to rejoice because the Messiah has been born. And through this Christmas season, man, there isn't a better thing to rejoice about is that Jesus was born 2,000 years ago to save my sorry soul, my sorry soul and to save yours. It's a great thing to rejoice about. So Jesus' birth brought hope to the poor and socially unaccepted by adjusting their perspective. I'm going to invite Krista to come up here, and then Rose is going to lead us in a time of prayer. So as I was asking the Lord what he wants to do during ministry time, um, he reminded me 
that so many times when we think of being poor, we think of being financially poor. But there are so many aspects to being poor. We can be relationally poor. We can be emotionally poor, spiritually poor, financially poor. So many different ways of being poor. How many of us lack in relationships or emotional stability? There's so many different aspects of being poor. I've been through some things in my life. One particular time, I was really, really struggling with my perspective. And this person said to me, remember to look at what God is doing. What is God doing in the midst of your circumstance? Where's your focus? What are you focusing on? I think so many times as humans, because we are selfish, <laughs> we like to focus on our circumstance. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.